the first ijma consensus in Islam was that all of the prophets have died. Thus, this elegy shows that some of the companions who were less sagacious and did not have sound knowledge, such as Abu Hurairah, upon glancing at the prophecy about the coming of the promised Isa, surmised due to their erroneous judgment that Hazrat Isa himself would return. Abu Hurairah initially held this misconception too, and Abu Hurairah frequently used to fall into such errors due to his simplicity and weak intellect. For instance, he was mistaken in this same way regarding a prophecy that a companion would be cast into the fire, and his interpretation of the following verse was also distorted. And there is none among the people of the book but will believe in it before his death. Chapter 4, verse 160 His interpretation was comical to anyone who heard it, for he wanted to prove by this verse that all would come to believe in Hazrat Isa before his death, whereas an alternative reading of this verse is before their death, not before his death. And this belief that a time would come when all people would accept Hazrat Isa is in contravention with the Holy Quran because God Almighty says in the Holy Quran, meaning that, O Isa, I shall cause you to die, and then after your death I shall raise you, like the believers, to myself, and then I shall absolve you of all the calumnies, and then I shall keep your followers, dominant over your enemies, until the day of judgment. It is obvious that if all people will come to believe in Hazrat Isa before the day of judgment, then which of his enemies will survive until the day of judgment? Again, God Almighty says at another place, meaning that, Antagonism between the Jews and Christians shall endure until the day of judgment. Thus, it is obvious that if all Jews came to believe in Hazrat Isa before the day of judgment, then who will there be to maintain antagonism until the day of judgment? Moreover, this concept is also absurd and unreasonable in view of the fact that it contradicts the actual events because almost 2,000 years have elapsed since the time of Hazrat Isa and it is not hidden from anyone that during this period tens of millions of Jews have died whilst denying Hazrat Isa, abusing him and declaring him to be an infidel. How, then, can this statement be true that every single Jew will come to believe in him? Just try to add up how many Jews have died in a state of disbelief in these 2,000 years. Can we say anhu? Allah be pleased with them in regard to them? In short, the ijma of all companions was on the death of Hazrat Isa. Rather, there was an ijma on the death of all prophets. This was the very first ijma after the demise of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. On account of this ijma, all companions were agreed that Hazrat Isa had passed away. This is what inspired Hazrat bin Thabit to compose the elegy mentioned above the translation of which, as I have mentioned, is, O Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Indeed, you were the pupil of my eyes. I have been left blind by your death. After you, I care not who dies, be it Isa or Musa, I feared only your death. Indeed, the companions, Allah be pleased with them, truly loved the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And they could never accept that Isa whose defecation has been described in the Holy Quran as the root cause of the most flagrant idolatry, should be alive while the Holy Prophet should die.
if at the time of demise of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, they knew that Hazrat Isa salam, was sitting in heaven, alive with his physical body, while their beloved Prophet had passed away, their grief at this would have driven them to death. How could they ever bear the thought that another Prophet should live, while their own beloved Prophet should enter the grave? O oh Allah, shower your blessings upon Muhammad and all of his progeny and companions. How ignorant and nonsensical it is to deduce from the word of God Almighty. On the contrary, Allah exalted him to himself. Chapter 4, verse 159 That Hazrat Isa went and sat with his physical body next to Hazrat the Ayah, John the Baptist, in the second heaven. Is God the Holy and exalted sitting in second heaven as well? Is there any other place in the Quran where the term exaltation towards Allah has been taken to mean raising of a physical body to heaven? Is there any precedent in the Holy Quran to suggest that the physical body is also raised to heaven? There is another verse in the Holy Quran similar to this verse and it is And you, O soul at peace, Return to your Lord, well pleased with him, and he well pleased with you. Chapter 89, verse 28 to 29. Therefore, does it mean that, O soul at peace, go to the second heaven with your physical body? And God Almighty says in the Holy Quran regarding Belambor that we desired to raise him towards us, but he inclined towards the earth. Chapter 7, verse 177. Are we to understand from this verse that God also wanted to raise Balambor to heaven with his physical body, but Balam instead chose to stay on the earth? Sadly, the Holy Quran is being seriously misrepresented. These people also claim that the Holy Quran contains the verse, They slew him not, nor crucified him. Chapter 4, verse 158 From which it is proven that Hazrat Isa has been raised to heaven. However, any reasonable person can understand that if an individual is not killed nor crucified, it does not necessarily follow that he was raised to heaven along with his physical body. In the next sentence, there are these explicit words. But he was made to appear to them like one crucified. Chapter 4, verse 158 meaning that the Jews did not succeed in killing Jesus, but they were led to believe that they had killed him. Was it really necessary that in order to create this impression, another believer be crucified and thereby accursed, or that someone from among the Jews themselves be crucified, having been transformed to look like Hazadisa? In this latter scenario, such a person could have readily escaped by claiming that he was indeed the enemy of Hazadisa and by providing the addresses and identities of his family, he could have said that Isa had used magic to make me look like him. How insane are these superstitious conjectures? Why don't they interpret the verse? But he was made to appear to them like one crucified. Chapter 4, verse 158. To mean that Isa did not die on the cross. On the contrary, he fell into a state of swoon. 
Thereafter, he regained consciousness within two or three days, and his wounds also healed with the use of Mehramit Isa, the ointment of Jesus, which is still found in hundreds of medical texts and was prepared for Hazrat Isa. It is also unfortunate that these people do not consider the context in which these verses were revealed. The Holy Quran was to be the arbitrator to settle the differences between the Jews and the Christians. It was incumbent upon it to give its verdict, and the issues wherein they disputed. Among the issues on which they disputed, one was that the Jews used to contend that it is written in their Torah that anyone who is hung on the wood, i.e. the cross, is accursed, and after his death his soul does not return to God. They argued that since Hazrat Isa died on the cross, he did not return to God, and the doors of heaven were not open for him. Whereas the Christians who were the contemporaries of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had proclaimed this doctrine of theirs, and even unto this day it remains the same doctrine, that though Hazrat Isa did become accursed by dying on the cross, he took the curse upon himself willingly for the salvation of others, and he was ultimately raised to God, not with his physical body, but with a new and glorious body that was free from blood, flesh, bone, and perishable matter. Concerning these two contending parties, God gave the verdict in the Holy Quran that it is totally contrary to the fact that Isa died on the cross, or that he was killed such that it might be concluded that he is accursed in accordance with the dictates of the Torah. Rather, he was saved from death on the cross and he was raised towards God in the same way that all believers are. Just as every believer is raised to God, the holy and exalted, after having received a glorious spiritual body from God, he was similarly raised and joined the prophets who had passed away before him. This is exactly what can be understood from the account of the Miraj, spiritual ascension, given by the Holy Prophet upon returning from it. It reveals that he found Hazrat Isa in the same hallowed form in which he found all the other prophets, and there was nothing peculiar about his appearance. The issue was really very simple and straightforward. The Jews only denied spiritual ascension because it is that which stands in contrast to the curse. However, in their naivety, the Muslims mistook the spiritual ascension for the physical ascension, even though Jews have never held that someone who does not physically ascend to heaven is not a believer. Rather, they continue to emphasize, even to this day, that someone who does not attain spiritual ascension and for whom the doors to heaven are not opened is not a believer. The Holy Quran also confirms this and says, meaning that the gates of heaven shall not be opened for disbelievers. Chapter 7, verse 41. But for the believers, it says, meaning that the gates of heaven shall be opened for the believers. Chapter 38, verse 51. The Jews argued only this, that being a disbeliever, God forbid, Hazrat Isa al-Islam could not ascend towards God. Jewish people are still around, they are not extinct. Anyone can acquire from them whether a person who is crucified is prevented from physically ascending to heaven, so that his physical body does not ascend to God Almighty. Ignorance is a strange affliction. Muslims, on account of their own misconception, 
strayed so far off that they began awaiting the return of a dead man, even though the age of Hazrat Isa has been affixed at 120 years according to Avis. Have those 120 years not elapsed yet? Similarly, on account of their misunderstanding, they created a discrepancy between the Holy Quran and the Ahadith, because the individual who is called Dajjal, the Antichrist, in the Ahadith is designated as Satan by the Holy Quran, for it quotes Satan as saying, meaning that Satan pleaded to the Divine Majesty to be granted respite unto the dead, whose hearts have died, are revived. God said, You are given respite till that time. Chapter 7, verse 15 to 16. Thus the Dijal who is mentioned in the Ahadiz is none other than the Satan who will be slain in the latter days. This is exactly what is recorded in the book of Daniel, as well as in some Ahadiz. As Christianity is the perfect manifestation of Satan, Surah Al-Fatiha makes no mention of Dajjal, but prescribes supplication for refuge with God against the evil of the Christians. Had the Dajjal been some other mischief maker, God would have said in the Holy Quran, and not the path of the Dajjal, instead of, and those who have not gone astray, chapter 1, verse 7. The verse, till the day they will be raised up, chapter 7, verse 15, does not mean the physical resurrection, because Satan is alive only as long as human beings are alive. But of course Satan does not do anything of his own self. Rather, he operates to his agents. And these very people who deify a human being are those agents. Since they constitute a group, they have been called Dajjal, because the word Dajjal in Arabic language also connotes a group. If the Dajjal is understood to be distinct from the misguided preachers of Christianity, this would entail contradiction, because the very Ahadith, which indicate that the Dajjal will prevail over the entire earth in the latter days, also indicate that in the latter days the power of the church will overwhelm all religions. How can this contradiction be resolved unless the two are one and the same entity? Moreover, God Almighty, who is the knower of the unseen, says in the Holy Quran with reference to the mischief of Christianity that the heavens may well nigh be rent asunder, and the mountains may crumble into pieces, yet with reference to the Dajjal, who according to our opponents would zealously trumpet his godlike powers, and whose mischief will be worse than all of the mischief of the world, the Holy Quran does not even mention that his mischief can rent asunder a small mountain. It is strange that the Holy Quran declares the mischief of Christianity to be the worst, yet our opponents clamor about some other Dajjal. And also consider the error of the Christian gentlemen. On the one hand, they have raised Hadrat Isa to the level of divinity, and on the other hand, they also believe that he is accursed. Bear in mind that all linguists agree that being accursed is a spiritual matter, and one who is expelled from the royal court of God is called accursed, meaning the one who is not raised to God and whose heart is bereft of any bond of love and obedience with God, God being wary of him and he being wary of God. This is why Satan is referred to as accursed. Thus, can any sane person suggest that Hazrat Isa's heart was totally estranged from God and God Almighty had become weary of him? It is strange that, on the one hand, the Christian gentlemen, quoting the Gospels, say that this incident of Hazrat Isa resembled the incident of Yunus, Jonah, and the incident of Ishaq, Isaac, 
and yet they themselves believe a creed that contradicts this resemblance. Are they able to tell us that Yunus al-Islam entered the belly of the fish in a state of death and stayed in it for two or three days in this life of state? Hence, what resemblance does Yasu, Jesus, have with Yunus al-Islam? What resemblance does a living one have with the dead? Are the Christian gentlemen able to tell us that Ishaq was actually slaughtered and was then brought back to life? And if it's not so, what resemblance does the incident of Yasu have with the incident of Ishaq? Again, Yasu, the Messiah, says in the Gospels, If ye have faith, even as much as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Move from here to there, and it shall move. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. But it seems that the entire prayer of Yasu to spare his own life went to waste. Now behold, what conclusion would be drawn about the faith of Yasu according to the Gospels? It is not true at all that Yasu prayed that he may well die on the cross, but it should be without distress. Was the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane meant only to spare him this distress? If this were the case, why did he raise the cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew chapter 27 verse 46 When he was put on the cross, does this utterance indicate that his distress had been removed at that moment? How far can a fabrication go? The prayer of Yasu clearly has these words, Let this cup pass from me. So God made that cup pass and created such circumstances as were sufficient to save his life. For example, the fact that he was not kept on the cross for up to six or seven days, as was the norm, but was taken down within a short time, and that whereas the bones of other crucified were also broken, his bones were not broken. It is inconceivable that someone could die from such little torture. The belief of our opponents that Hazrat Isa, peace be upon him, was saved from the cross and ascended physically to heaven raises a serious objection against the Holy Quran because the Holy Quran consistently refutes all Christian assertions that are used to prove the divinity of Hazrat Isa. For instance, the Holy Quran denied any special significance of the fatherless birth of Hazrat Isa, which was used as an argument for his divinity by declaring, Surely the case of Jesus with Allah is like the case of Adam. He created him out of dust, then he said to him, Be, and he was. Chapter 3, verse 60 Thus, if Hazrat Isa had indeed ascended to heaven with his mortal body, and is to then descend again, this would be a distinction far more misleading than his fatherless birth. So pray tell, where has the Holy Quran refuted this by citing a president? Was God incapable of refuting this distinction? Let me reiterate that the belief on which the companions, Allah be pleased with them, had ijma consensus was the fact that all the prophets, peace be upon them, had passed away and none of them was alive. All of the companions, held fast to this belief until their last breaths. This belief was in agreement with the explicit text of the Holy Quran. There can be no lie greater than to claim that at some time after the companions had passed away, this Ummah had ijma on the issue of Hazrat Isa being alive with his mortal body in heaven. The following words of Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal aptly apply to such a person. 
Anyone who claims Ijma upon any issue after the time of the companions is a great liar. The truth of the matter is that after the passage of the first three centuries, the blessed Ummah split into 73 sects and hundreds of mutually contradictory beliefs took root among them to the extent that they were no longer in agreement even regarding such beliefs as the of the Mahdi and the coming of the Messiah.